I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how'd you become king, then? The Lady of the Lake, her arm clad in the purest shimmering Samite, held aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I'm your king. Listen, strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords, is no basis for a system of government. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Be quiet! Oh, but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a sword at you. Shut up! Oh, but if I went round saying I was an emperor just because some moistened bint had lobbed a scimitar at me, they'd put me away. Shut up! Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help! Help! I'm being repressed! Bloody peasant! Oh, what a giveaway! Did you hear that? Did you hear that, eh? That's what I'm on about. Did you see him repressing me? You saw it, didn't you? Episode 161 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to the Facebook of the Cult of Matt and Mark and like us or head over to our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Uh, show news, Mr. Hudson. We got some show news. I, I almost uh, got you into a fight on Friday night. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I lost my cool a little bit that night, but, uh... No, it was totally my... F- you know, I was thinking, I was like, uh, it's just one of those rare occasions where if you're not on your A-game and you just kind of, uh, blow off society and you're a little preoccupied, mm-hmm. you can just piss off a shitload of people with, like, barely a thought. Well, I mean, so. the, the the terrible truth is that you can really go through life pissing off people, and you, you'll rarely get any concrete, uh... Uh, feedback price. about yeah you'll, no no you get feedback but you hardly ever pay a price for it. So uh, just a little backstory. Mark and I saw uh, Fury Road. Uh, we can talk about that in a second. But uh, uh, I I was a little bit com- discombobulated because uh, the 2D was sold out and the mm. 3D was the only thing open. Mm-hmm. And I've been having some uh, eye strain issues because I think I got a bad prescription. And some new glasses. Oh, no. And so I was like a little bit, you know, uh, not really up for it, but not really knowing of any viable alternatives. And I really wanted to see the film. And so I showed up and and it was kind of a debate. You seem to be a little busy lately. I was a little busy. I am a little busy. And uh, so this, this was just something else. And I show up. And so... Mark's standing there, and he's like, well, what are we going to do? And then, like, I'd already made up my mind, but I hadn't communicated what I was going to do to you. It's like, well, we're going to see this fucking show. And uh, you're, like, confused. And so I went up to the first ticket window I saw, because I just was like, I'm going to fucking do it. And then I was buying my ticket, and then some dude yells behind me uh, that I had cut in line. And so it was one of those deals where there's, like, a single queue, and then it Ys right at the front. And so uh, Mark headed to the back of the line because he wanted to avoid the whole shit show. And uh, I had bought his ticket because I felt like a prick. And so uh, anyway, and I, I, I went back to Mark and I said, I got the tickets, let's go. And then you had to fucking unfortunately parade in front of this asshole as we went in front to the front well, door. I mean, it was the way it was the door. It was the direction of the door. I know, the yeah. other doors were locked. He just flipped so me some was, shit and I just sort of lost it and I screamed at him a bit. I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I guess it, something could have happened. But it didn't, uh, you know, that's life. You get angry sometimes, and uh, you yell and scream. So uh, Fury Road, I wanted to talk about that because uh, I think uh, I have we've had a few days to, to gestate. Oh, on, yeah, uh, I haven't been thinking about opinions. it that much since then, though I did listen to a couple of podcasts about it, uh, yeah. which was slightly interesting. One podcast uh, sort of ticked me off a little bit. I was Ooh, sort of really? surprised by it, but uh, so All be right. it. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I just, I, I, I thought that it was um, a refreshing wind of uh, of an action film. 
Yeah, and, yeah, it was uh, a really great action film. We I already told you what I thought it reminded me a lot of was the very refreshing Apocalypto. Right, and and part of those those movies' charms is its, uh, I guess, uh, avoidance of CGI as much as possible. And yeah, there was there was a little bit of computer. But you got to you got to do that with the mats. It just makes sense to do computerized mats. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. And uh, I guess I was reading about George Miller's. Um, I guess he said the technology has come so long, and not just with CGI, because he didn't. He tried not to use anything. It was mm-hmm. all practical stunts. <coughs> but he said things like you don't have to hide the wires. You just oh, you know, just paint them out. Yeah. yeah, if you have people on wires, you just you just paint them right out mm-hmm. of, of the footage, and that makes things a lot easier. Um, and especially with hiding, like uh, uh, rigging and all kinds of stuff. You probably do better safety equipment. Oh yeah, and that was the other thing. And he's, like he's, uh, he, pads for or nets and things like that. He was a huge. I guess he's a huge safety guy. I mean, mm-hmm. that was like one of his big deals. Well, when and, you have uh, such a production like that, you got to be. Otherwise, you could easily have people die. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And just definitely. imagine the cost. I mean, right. let alone your reputation, reputation on top of that. Uh, he used some Cirque du Soleil performers, mm. I guess, for some of those pole scenes. And Yeah, uh, I could definitely see the pole stuff. Yeah. But anyway, I, 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 I was pretty, uh, uh, I guess, uh, uh, zealous over Mad Max Fury Road. I thought it was uh, well-deserved of its 98% mm-hmm. on the thermometer. And it mm-hmm. uh, was a good show and um, kind of... For me, uh, validated my opinions about modern action films and their overuse of CGI. And uh, you know, basically, uh, you could you could do like a whole film class comparing Michael Bay's Bad Boys Two and uh, George Miller's Mad Max Fury Road. Did Bad Boys Two use much CGI? I don't fucking know. I don't think it was. So. Uh, it was pretty it conventional. Didn't. Oh god, it was. Being... Well, regardless, the, I mean, the choreography. I mean, the, of it. Well, the. <laughs> yeah, there was more of an issue of how they were shot, and they were very confusing in Bad Boys Two. Well, things were well, pretty. Um, considering how frantic the movie is for so much of it, it, you don't lose yourself in the action. It's always well, no, very and clear what's going on to the viewer. I mean, I guess that's, it depends on the viewer, but well, that, yeah. I mean, that was the great thing about Fury Road is it doesn't lose you in frenetic cuts mm-hmm. of 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 action it sets up shots it lets you know you know where the people are what the uh what the stakes are of this particular action sequence and the consequences you know gets you um emotionally invested in them mm-hmm. and uh things that basically contemporary action films just fucking can't pull it off for whatever reason you know it's just there was whatever. one i did listen to a couple of podcasts about it and one of them i forget which one it might have been like the slash film cast uh, made a good point about the movie in that it really it's too bad it really didn't need to be a bad max film because the mad max character is rather unimportant in this film yeah he's uh he's kind of a oh he's well they uh, use him to push the plot in, in yeah. directions a couple of times but that's that's about it uh right. i mean it's really a story about furiosa yeah, uh, yeah and yeah. and uh and joe Morton Joe. Yeah, right. Morton Joe. So in a way, I think he sort of had to make it a sequel to Mad Max. And in a way, the script sort of sort of um, let Mad Max down because it's not really a Mad Max film. And then I think that's a reasonable no. critique of the movie. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I'd say it's a minor critique, but it is a critique. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, you know... It's um, one of the few well, times that... Um, Oh, what's his name? The guy who plays Max in the film. Um, oh, Tom Hardy. Hasn't blown me away with a performance. Oh. I think there was just yeah. very little for him to do. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, some, I mean the, the early stuff where he's a prisoner I thought was pretty interesting, though. So a few a few points of note, and then we'll move on to our movie this week. But um, <coughs> a few, uh, one thing I, I noticed about that film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, supposed to be in Australia. I mean, even though it was filmed in Namibia. Yeah. Uh, most of the um, steering wheels were on the left-hand sides of the car. I, I noticed that. Hold so. it. Hold it. They're on the right side in Australia? Yeah, everybody drives on the, uh, the <laughs> really? uh, left-hand side of the road. Uh, yep. I didn't realize that. I guess I always thought it differed from the rest of the United uh, Kingdom. Or no, the only the United Kingdom. bit of trivia, the only Commonwealth country 
that drives on the right side of the road is uh, Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. That's not, that's interesting. That is strange. I guess uh, most of Africa must drive on. The I think left. it's about it's about half I mean, and half. Right. But those vehicles, I think they were designed and built in the states, and okay. then they were moved over to Namibia for the for the filming. That's the only funny. car I never thought about that. The only car that had the uh, steering wheel on the uh, correct side for Australia was the uh, V8 Interceptor of Max's at the beginning. <laughs> but that's lost, right? Um, no, it's it. If you noticed, it came back. Hmm. It was refurbished for the final action scene, hmm. and it was painted chrome, and it had bigger tires on it. Oh yeah, I think I remember that now. And it got crushed it. in between the two rigs. Sorry, spoilers. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway. <laughs> Not, yeah, that, not that, that it matters. Is, that is weird about the uh, about the. I'm surprised I didn't notice that there was something else too. Yeah, uh, I was trying to figure out what everybody's health problem was in that movie. There's this. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, the why war are, boys. Why are the war boys so sickly? They're sickly. There's transfusions needed. There's tumors. Um, there's tumors. If you look at uh, a Morton Joe when he has his uh, plexiglass body armor off, he's like all kind of you know, warded up and there's mm-hmm. weird tumors. His son has this weird kind of like facial strap and mm-hmm. kind of bizarre looking lesions. Uh, there's something, there was something kind of bizarre about what it was that was well, there. I, I mean, I guess it's part of the ecological disaster that reproductions become more difficult or at least quality reproduction. I mean, it could be a widespread mutagen. It seems like except for the war boys, there's very few young people. Uh, true. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wonder right. how the War Boys are produced. Maybe they're well, they're not cloned or anything because they don't have any great technology. But maybe they're made by the the milking women or something like that as sort of a well, part of their oh, keeping the milk, them lactate, that's right. lactating. There was there was the uh, the milk house mm-hmm. that was pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. The one last thing I I thought it was pretty awesome that uh, the whole uh, religion that was kind of created around the uh, vehicles, which were more or less treated as like religious artifacts in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the the blessing that a Morton Joe gives to the war boys, and uh, <laughs> you mean the, the likes, paint to the face? Yeah, he spray paints their mouth with chrome paint. Like, like well, they uh, do it to themselves when they're about to sacrifice. When they go, witness me. Yeah, and they go, uh, enter Val- may you enter Valhalla all shiny and chrome. Yeah, it's and, weird like, that they had like the Norse myth mixed in there. I know it's great. And and it was it wasn't really it was just kind of uh it was just on top mm. of the whole movie it, that kind of stuff I just love yeah it was uh, pretty neat was great. yeah all right we need to get on to the movie this week our movie this week is the uh, cult classic comedy classic Monty Python and the Holy Grail nineteen seventy five I'm gonna do sort of a short plot rundown here from its opening main. Sorry, from its opening multi-language titles, that sure looks like Swedish. To the closest arrest of, to the closing arrest of the entire Dark Ages cast by modern-day Bobbies, Monty Python and the Holy Grail <clears throat> helped to define irreverence and became an instant cult classic. This time, the Pythoni- Pythonites—is that what they're called? I thought they were just called the Pythons. Uh, hmm. Savage the legend of King Arthur, King Arthur, juxtaposing some. Excellently selected exterior locations with an unending stream of anachronistic one-liners, non-sequiturs, and unending stream... Oh, man, I'm just fucking this one up. And slapstick set pieces. That's it. Sorry. A little mutilated, but uh, that's the plot rundown, hmm. I guess. So there's no really a, not really a plot. Um, I mean, I, I guess, like in all these comedy movies, there's a very thin plot. Right. Just enough to stitch the scenes together. And in many of these comedy movies, a lot of scenes are great. And some scenes don't work that well. And uh, I think, I wonder if that's just an inherent aspect of these broad comedies. I guess we'll be looking into that further uh, over the summer. So, yeah, so I didn't really know how you wanted to go about reviewing this movie because we can kind of fanboy it up and play drops and kind of giggle and, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I kind of wanted to sort of take a different route and and Mm -hmm. just ask you a question. Yeah. And maybe ask myself one, too. What do you believe was the best bit in this film and why? Well, the best, one of the better bits. Now, I I picked one that I thought was fun because it has sort of a political 
jag to it to open up that one of the early right. bits about the 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 collective farmer society <laughs> right. that uh, king arthur comes across right. and that's pretty good one reason i kept that is because it's it's pretty much for the most part just a verbal uh, gag yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah there's a little bit of physical stuff at the end that you sort of miss but you sort of guess that he's being manhandled by king arthur right um, right right i think one of the funnier bits was a very classic uh uh with the swamp king when he's trying to instruct his two guards right. to keep um the the his, anemic uh man child yeah in prince. the in the prince and i thought that was really good but that's uh i, th- I think that's a, the quality of the comedic timing and you really need the visual of the of especially i mean it's, it's a great play between palin and um and uh uh, uh eric i mean uh, terry uh terry jones there yeah yeah and um I think it's just it's just a great little bit that you could just see on a stage with a little comedy duo, and I thought I thought I thought that was really that was a that was a really funny bit. Doesn't the dialogue doesn't carry over though? When I was sort of listening to it, see what's another? I mean, well, I wanted to stop you there because mm-hmm. I'm going to actually agree with you. I think that's probably the strongest skit in the entire uh, um, uh, film, and I say that well, I think because- I think it was the Galahad scene with the with the women. That was definitely that was a. A riot. No, I'm joking. That was oh, one the, of the that was one of the weaker scenes. Uh, what the the Sir chase? Galahad, the 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 chase. Yeah. Well, I, the thing that I was kind of I, why I focused on the uh, Swamp King mm-hmm. scene uh, or the Swamp Swamp King skit is because it had multiple gags in it. It did uh, have multiple uh, gags. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the the stuff with um, Lancelot, I think, was funny. Not as and not quite as funny as the rest of it, but I think it had its moments, especially with uh, um, with John Cleese. You know, he's got this look on his face that he does right. all the time, which is just hilarious, where he's sort of apologizing for getting a little out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was, gets up there and he's like, oh, no, no, oh I, yeah. thought was uh, a, I thought he was a woman. You're going to arrest me. Well, let's not be so fast about that. that and that's that's right, pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. And also, when, he, when uh, the Swamp King's just talking to his, his son, talking about yeah. the history of... Uh, of you know him this is this fourth castle or something he's built on this swamp and he's got to get married right. to this landed uh princess you know and he's talking about she, just has, some, she has like, massive tracts of land massive tracts of land I, I thought and, that and, i thought that was pretty funny he's got the terrible he's like balding in a very weird pattern on his head too right right and uh sort of the anemic uh arrow shot that pierces uh sir lancelot's squire <laughs> and then there's that whole bit as he's dying and you know, it's like I must avenge. It's like, well, I'm not actually not uh-huh. dead yet. You know, it's like or it's, the two guards at the the gate of the castle just sort of chewing on one's eating an orange, and Lancelot's yeah, right. coming in the background forever. He, he's then just all of a sudden he's forever. just there and runs the guy through, and the other guy says, "Oh, wait up a minute." I know. Yeah, yeah there's and, a lot of funny stuff in there. Yeah, <laughs> and even the uh, the 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 exit of Sir Lancelot were. Uh, uh, the uh, I forget what the anemic prince is called, but he's standing up there and he's like, uh, "Let me tell you about it." And everybody's like, "Oh no, no, don't no." And then there's sort when of they're this about to go into song. Up. You mean? Yeah, there's this yeah. ramp up. He to doesn't a musical want any number. song. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I I like that because it's sort of a gay uh, joke, really. Is it? Yeah. Do they do they do a little? Uh, a little yeah, he's little, effeminate, and that he's into show tunes. Mm-hmm. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. I, you know. I, there's a lot of stereotypes out there, but that one for me is is remains somewhat of a mystery. I, I, I never figured I think out. We talked why about I, it one time, and I think that in the I think we my conclusion was that the arts have, have been more accepting to the homosexual community earlier, and thus that's where people that's where sort of an identity grew, where people could be more social, okay. and so the popularity rose. I'm sure, just like anything, just. You know, people like this and that, but that's I think it was a little bit of a safe haven, especially. I mean, there's so many. I mean, it seems weird now, but you just go back to the '80s where that stuff was effing illegal, yeah, and you could be no, arrested I, and put in the jail for right. having anal sex. I mean, I think the final law just got off the books back in the aughts. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. It, so it, I, I, I suppose you're right. I guess it's the same reason that. Uh, um, you know, sort of outcast uh, boys with no uh, hope of getting laid in high school listen to a lot of heavy metal. It, I, thought, I, thought you, I thought you were going to say play D&D. Well, that too. I mean, they're kind of hand in hand, really. <laughs> you know, Jesus, you can't have one without the other. Um, so, uh, let's see, what, what's another uh, another good bit? 
So I mean the um, swallow I'm, stuff at the earlier the talk about the swallow. I think that was a lot. Of, I thought that was pretty funny. So I'm looking at this light, this site, which is of no authority, but it's called uh, it's Cinelinks dot com, uh, and they go through uh, what I guess the top ten uh, bits, and I I disagree almost on every. Let's see, one well, of let them, me but... see. Let me see what I, what I would say beyond that. Okay, so I say on the top ten the the bit about the swallows carrying the coconut, the migratory coconut. That's funny writing. Right. Yeah. No, that's early. good. That's on there, right? right? Well, and. There? <clears throat> it's no, no, uh, let me guess on this what number is that it's number two okay uh see here another bit would be i enjoyed the reading uh from the uh book of armaments just that part of the holy hand grenade business not the rest of um the that is uh it's it's that is number four but it's it's, it's uh the whole thing with the, the killer bunny holy hand grenades yeah i mean the killer bunny it's sort of interesting um, I, I don't but find it's a it, bit of a cheap gag. I don't find it's a little it bit as a... funny. I, I find Idol's reading from the book to be pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see, one of my one of my other parts I really enjoyed. Um, well, they're gonna have like the whole business with the the Black Knight, which I didn't think was that great. Really. See, they put that. And number one, which I mean, I it's got really... it starts good, but it, it falters near the end. The, the well, nights who say knee are not funny except for no. needing the uh, topiary. Well, That's it's the only that thing about that. I, I thought of you actually quite a bit during the nights of knee because it, it definitely is one of the most absurdist mm. bits in the entire film. I do like the right? topiary business. Is that what they were looking for? Not a topiary. Yeah, they were looking for shrub shrubbery. Yeah, and then they run into the shrubber the shrubbest. I don't know. I, I did enjoy that aspect of it. I guess. And why is the, the, the Knights of Knee like 10 feet tall? You know, it, well, it, just because they're dangerous. Sense. Otherwise, well, one of them is. And then the, the rest, rest are normal size. Well, yeah, we got I some know. production costs here. <laughs> uh, you know, the one part I liked is the um, the scene at the bridge featuring the old man from scene 24. See, that was a nice tie in with the uh, the whole uh, swallow business. I thought that was a, a, a good gag. That went full circle, you know, because oh. that that's what sends him into the into the chasm. Mm-hmm. It's his inability is a to to you know ask the right question. Yeah, yeah. No, I I thought I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. How that went? I think I thought. I mean, they were the way they started up, especially when Lancelot first goes there and blows right through. I thought, I thought right, that was right, pretty right, good. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, what are the ones I, I didn't I didn't miss? And let's talk about them. The, the ones All I right. missed on there. So number ten was the credits, which I thought was kind of stupid. Uh, uh, so the credits with the the fake like Norwegian or something or Scandinavian. Yeah, and then it and then it shifts into the weird llama bit, you mm. know, and like the, the sort of Hispanic llama business. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, I didn't think that was the fun. I don't think that was that funny. No. Number nine, they have she's a witch, which is the whole witch oh, gag. You, you know, that one actually was rather. That was actually a rather funny little bit of writing there. You know what I liked about the witch scene is mm-hmm. it is it it made fun of uh, what I would call like medieval thinking or or, or medieval logic or even current superstitious logic. It's so, yeah, it's super. It's like it's like sort of like intelligent design. It's not yeah. putting the guise of scientific thought over right. actually where you're not actually. Uh, being careful about your observations. So the the, the chain of logic is that um, if the if she's a witch, mm-hmm. she must. What is it? She. So so they say. They, why do witches burn? Right. Why do witches burn? Because they're made. So of wood. witches burn because they're like wood, and wood burns. And right. then. Uh, so how do we so, know if so she's witches made must of float? Wood. The misses must float like wood, and what else floats? Ducks float. Ducks float. And right. so. Therefore, a witch must weigh uh, the same as a duck. So let's compare their weight. And if she weighs the same as a duck, she's a witch. And they put her on the scale, and the scale drops, which is funny, on her side. And they still haul off and burn her. I mean, it drops uh, yeah. a little bit. Well, I mean, if you look at it, it uh, it actually levels out. But when she gets everybody gets off of it, it uh, it goes way back up. So they had actually sort of weighed the the scale so that it would be level. Right. right. Uh, but I really enjoyed how the uh, who was that? Uh, that was a knight, um, Sir. That was played by uh, Terry Jones, Sir. Uh, 
Bedever or Bede- Yeah, Sir Bedemer. How Bedemer, he's like right. teaching the peasants the great right. knowledge. And I just right. I thought that was really fun. I, I really John Cleese is great as one of the really stupid peasants and yeah, sort of like coming up I with know. the answers. That's actually pretty funny. That's and it's short. Scene. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's short and funny. Yeah. Right. Right. And so number eight, they have the what we, we thought was one of the better skits, which was the tale of Sir Lancelot and the Swamp King. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, you know, it had a lot of aspects to it. Yeah, I mean, I really that guard stuff was just had me cracking up. Yeah. No, it's 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 all good. There's no like kind of. Oh, no, there's some I bad scenes in this. In, in Sir Lancelot. The no, no, the Sir Lancelot oh, stuff's all good. I was saying there's okay. some parts that are great. So seven is the I'm not dead yet uh, business, which is a little ancillary people, to the plot. People like that one. one. It's short. And I, th- I think it has some funniness to it. It's sort of short and sort of sweet. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not great, but I, th- I thought it, it was It also nice. has the first occurrence of uh, cat abuse, which uh, has some kind of weird theme in this movie. Oh, like, There's yeah. somebody beating a cat on the side of a wall, and I can't figure out what the, what the whole shtick is. Uh, during the Lancelot... Some- Swamp King, somebody steps on a cat, I think. Somebody steps on a cat, and then there's another cat beating occurring. Uh, mm-hmm. Shit. Uh, I think with the old crone, like they're riding up to her, uh, you know, her um, cabin in the woods or whatever, and she's beating on a cat. It's mm. just weird. Anyway. There was, in the, in the uh, one thing I wanted to mention about beyond the cat thing, I, I, don't, I didn't find the cat stuff very funny. As a kid, I thought it was fucking hilarious, man. I couldn't get enough of that shit. I thought um, that was the greatest shit ever. Uh, there was a great joke in the Bring Out Your Dead skit when uh, the uh, when uh, King Arthur walks by and one character says, oh, that must be a king. And another one goes, how do you no, know? Exactly. He's not covered in shit. Right, exactly. I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. Because that's the impression you get about medieval times is that everybody was covered in shit. And I think it's pretty close to the mark. I, well, I can't I think see it. People were naturally covered in their normal sebum. I, you know, I just smelled like smelled terribly. I just, I keep thinking, like if I could somehow teleport back in time with yeah. my DeLorean, and uh, and and just walk through a medieval village. You don't you know, have, man, uh, all you have to do is like go back to like the 1920s. That no, I mean, yeah. Maybe the eighteen early eighteen hundreds. There, there's been some advancements in sanitation and, and things since I mean, the yeah, medieval I mean, era. Uh, certainly, but I mean, for the masses, not necessarily. You know, I think what would stupefy you is just the amount of like crippled, uh, blind, deaf, uh, just enfeebled. I, I think that would blow your mind. It well, would blow yeah, pre-vaccines. Mind. I mean, how many people were crippled by polio? I mean, how many people were crippled by syphilis? How many people were brain damaged and uh, uh, had, uh, what is that thing when you have motor cortex damage, cerebral palsy? How many palsy right. people there would be? I mean, yeah. I th- it would be nuts just to see the, uh, you know, the the amount of, of human suffering. It would be not incredible. Just, uh, not just the, uh, you know, the, the brutal death. That, oh, uh, people dying like, of cancer without it. Oh, God, it's just terrible. Just think about it. Yeah, you know, that, I think that, and then there's the sanitation issue, mm-hmm. and uh, how many people have pinworms? Probably huge amounts of people. And the other thing I would I would think about Northern Europe is I just think that you would never be able to get warm or dry at the same time. I, I don't think that just doesn't seem like mm. it would even be possible back mm. in those days. You know? Yeah, I mean, there'd be a certain sort of clamminess, probably. <sighs> just fucking. Anyway, so, yeah, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't get a fresh pair of underoos every morning. Oh my god! You have one one set of clothes. That's mm-hmm. it. You tackle out. Set. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, no, I the think the Scots had it good with the uh, the whole kilt business. Uh, the mm-hmm. other skits: number six, uh, Knights of the Round Table uh, song routine. Oh, that which, song uh, routine before the, <laughs> that. Had, oh, that had the cat that got stepped on in it. Oh, yeah, they go that the camel. That's a silly place. Um. I know that. How did, I mean, that's where spam a lot came from. The yeah, people loved that's that. right. I know, people I, did love I, it. It was all right. It was all right. Uh, it was well done. I didn't know if it was like hilarious at any mm. measure. It was just a, it, had, it had some moments. So, um, number five, French taunting the Trojan rabbit scene. Oh, um, that's got a lot of funniness to it. 
And there's John Cleese being sort of a genius again. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as the as the Frenchman atop mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with the uh French insults that mm-hmm. uh have sort of that lost in translation. I mean, I fart in your general it. direction is pretty funny. Yeah, I fart in your general direction. I know, that's a line that keeps on giving. That's yeah. that's that's one that always crops up. Uh, uh so that's pretty uh, good. Let's see. Uh four killer bunny holy hand grenade which mm-hmm. we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh three bridge of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, they, got, my... they gave Bridge of Death three, huh? I know. I'm surprised. Three. I thought I, I thought I really enjoyed that, but it's a little. I thought it was a little too. It's a single gag. I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it was a single gag, and it's short. Uh, but right. it's. I don't know. It seems like it's more of a verbal gag. I mean, people blow up though. I guess. So. Uh, two migrating coconuts. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. Uh, and number one, the Black Knight. <laughs> Can't agree with that. I don't. I mean, agree with it's, that it's, at it's, all. it's it's. Oh, it's got some. It just seems it just doesn't end well. I don't think. Well, it's 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 another single gag, but it's it's quick though too. It is quick, I mean, and I, I think the first time you see it. Really, but. Well, the first time you see it, um, the sort of goofy gore mm-hmm. is is pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's the blood is purposefully like bright red, <laughs> you know, and and there's the there's the little the little. Uh, the pumps that just squirt the blood out of the mm-hmm. stumps, mm-hmm. and uh, when the Black Knight runs the first dude uh, through the head, oh yeah, you know, I mean, it's just goofy as shit, and um, uh, and he's sitting there, uh, King Arthur doing his whole like, you know, I, I forget what it was, sort of a kind of a battle requiem or whatever, and and then the <laughs> the knight just shoves him over with his foot. It, it, it it's funny. I mean, it's very slapstick. It's very, um, you know, it's very physical. But it is a single gag, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of it for the whole, you know, bit. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's would be number one by any measure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the, it's certainly, I, I don't. I mean, when you think about it, there's quite a few pretty good gags in this movie, and very few one, short, poor ones. The one that didn't make it that I thought was was one of the funnier ones this hmm. go around, at least this watching, was uh, Tim, the um, <laughs> the wizard. Tim, I thought Tim, Tim was sorcerer. fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny. I'm surprised, actually, I'm surprised I didn't mention that. Yeah, the Tim and he's he just keeps blowing, just blowing stuff up. the fuck out of everything. <laughs> I, it's just hilarious. It's like just totally totally ridiculous. Like he's he you know he teleports from that. Uh-huh. Uh, Mountaintop, which I guess was sort of um, precarious for John Cleese to stand on because the wind was really howling, mm-hmm. and uh, if he, you know, was blowing against him, and standing there was a challenge, uh, wind-wise, and so uh, mm-hmm. he was a little, he was a little uh, acrophobic, and then he was blowing fucking mountaintops up, and then he teleports, and then he just starts blowing shit up, like not in front of him, but just around him. You he, know? Like sh- and- he like shoots fireworks out of his cane. I thought it, it was really, it was really pretty wacky. I enjoyed that. <laughs> that to me, that was like the wackiest uh, bit of physical humor. I mm-hmm. thought. I, I mean, his I costume was-, was really good. Yeah, with the with the you know the goat horns. Uh-huh. And it was just, and yeah. his name was Tim. Yeah. I mean, Tim. that was the hilarious part about the like, conjurer. Tim. Was it Conjurer? Then Tim the Conjurer or something yeah, like that. Yeah. No, that, was, yeah. that was a really good scene. I'm surprised that's not on the top ten. No. Uh, let's see. I, the, um, the cop business, not funny. Yeah, the cop business wasn't funny at no, all. I forgot it was, that's how the movie ended, too. I was, at the end, I was like, oh, that's how this thing ends? Right. I guess I'd sort of put it out of my mind. Well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's I, the whole meta bit. I, I didn't quite get it. I didn't quite understand other than to um, kind of go meta and mm-hmm. to sort of yeah, mock like- the um, the legend a little bit. I, I, I don't know. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it didn't seem – I mean, it's goofy. I guess it's kind of funny at the end that, you know, modern day – like they're just playing dress up. They're like uh, – the folks you used to see in the park up in Bellingham, mm-hmm. the um, what do you call them? The, the Society uh, for the Creative Anachronism. Yeah, those Ren guys. Fair? Yeah, the Ren Fair types. You know, uh, I used to see them like fighting in the park. It was pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, but that doesn't seem like that was what they were making fun of, really. At the end, no, uh, I think just, they were just they they were just going wacky, and um, I mean, I, I think in a way you sort of have to end things, and they are looking for some sort of thread to go through the majority of the film. 
sort of kind yeah. of sort of wrap yeah. it up. And it's fine. I mean, it wrapped it up. It was sort of weird so, though, but it's all right. So, <laughs> so anyway, we went through the bits. I, I, I think we figured out which one we liked the best, mm-hmm. or at least which had the best writing and the best uh, tact to it. I mean, and, these guys uh, are really talented comedic comedic actors, especially like Idol and uh, I mean every everybody here. I mean, maybe Graham, where he, he sort of gets stuck playing the the straight man for so much of this right. film. I mean, it right. works out. He, he definitely does have sort of a earnestness, which I think the, is important for the movie to have a character that's sort of a, well, and his frustration, it. you know, sort of having to explain the Arth- you know, the Arthurian divine right to, uh, uh, simpletons, but, uh, us, I, I guess by doing that, he has to explain it to, you know, us as well. Like uh-huh. that beginning bit, sort of, uh, skewering the whole notion of Kings and divine mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and really, shit that's still around in not just the UK but a lot of western europe this this strange institution that uh they've for whatever decided to keep along with their modern functioning democracies wow well, they've been, you know. been almost entirely eviscerated of their power they're just, no, no, they're no, just no, sort but, of a symbol like a like the bald eagle in the US I know isn't thing. that weird though but you got human beings to take up that position of sort of a uh, well look they you know, can sort abdic- of an icon they can abdicate if they want they have that right I know, but they don't. I mean, would you? I mean, it, it, it might not be, you know, you might not have much privacy. I think actually if you're anybody other than the UK royal family, I think the whole royalty gig's pretty mellow. Like, uh, I think it's pretty cush, yeah. You, you open King, stores and schools and give talks at universities. and Right. King Harold of Norway was uh, just a few minutes away from me for like the, the Ballard Norwegian Festival, you know, just hanging out. Yeah, like the parade or something yeah, like that. You work you for know? the tourism board. You sh- you right. glad hand. You smile. You take photos. You wear a sash. But you got to have some decent money. They got to have some decent money. I'm sure right? you. I'm so, sure, yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you have. I, I, I'm sure you're in the. I think I'm sure you're one percent in it. Some uh, fucking trust that they've had kicking around since they uh, invaded Iceland. You know, there's got to be some I'm, fucking I'm, old I'm money. I'm sure it'd be a fun around. lifestyle if you're if you're into that. I mean, if you were like a you know, really agoraphobic or something, it would be untenable. Well, yeah, but then you don't have all the trappings of power because you don't have any. So it's pretty easy, you know. Yeah, you it's, it's all like, the it's all the parties and none of the bullshit, not having to, like, make tough decisions or run armies. <laughs> there was a, 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 I wouldn't call it a hilarious, but there was a transgression by the uh, current king of Spain. Uh, he's on the head of some conservative council of Spain or something like that. And uh, he took a mysterious vacation and uh, it turns to find out he was uh, blowing away bull rhinos or bull uh, elephants down in uh, somewhere in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Some I mean, picture of him with when, a giant When golf fucking, just doesn't do it for you any longer. You got to go blow away elephants, you know, Hemingway style or some shit. So it's the only way I can get too messant any longer. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it, I guess it's bizarre why it's still around. And, uh, I think it's, I think in the UK it's, um, they take a piss on it. Just like this they movie. take a huge piss on it. And I think it's because, uh, the media attention it garners, uh, and the fact that, you know, it's a socialist country. I, well, you could argue maybe against that now, but in, in theory, and that it's 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 just uh, we're, look we're not going to blow we're not going to talk about Thatcher again we just have lost hours of time <laughs> I know. about Thatcher that's like the, the hey, are, any, think, are, are these guys all English or any of them Scottish I don't know the histories uh, well there's Terry Gilliam's obviously an American but oh, I, I don't yeah. I don't know maybe there's a Welshman in there mm. uh, maybe some they're all Welsh like, and Scots I think that'd be pretty funny. Well, be funny. Scots are fucking hilarious. I think it's because you have to be a conquered people to be really funny, <laughs> like in general. You know what I mean? I like as a, as a whole, you you have to be like sort of a conquered. Um, well, I mean, being a Scottish is like sort of the easiest type of conquered. I know you've well, been now, conquered, and you're probably about eighty percent English genetically. That's right, and you get all <laughs> and you get all the perks of, of the UK social safety net and your own, which is probably better. Uh, so. Anywho, yeah, no. um, so I mean, I, I think that's pretty much the film. It is kind of the film, you know. It's a comedy. We always kind of. I mean, these comedies are, it. especially these broad ones, are experiential. They are, and I mean, there's sort I of think, this made uh, making fun of 
hereditary monarchies, but I think that's about it as far as a deeper, deeper feeling. Or I will say that I didn't find it as funny as previous watchings, and that's just because the jokes are old on me, mm. and uh, it, it, you know, it, it, and and especially with a film like Monty Python, mm. which gets to the point of where you can, you've had enough nerds surrounding you in college repeating enough lines of this film that you, um, you know, every line isn't, it's like going, it's like seeing a comedy routine by a comic one too many times, mm. you know, it's, it, it, it loses a little bit of it. Mm. Not to say that it, it, it's, it's not a brilliant piece of, of comedy. It is. It's just that me watching it for the 10th time, I kind of get like, Oh, you know, it, it, it's not as, it loses its appeal. Uh, when I was 13 watching this, I was on the floor pissing myself because it was so fucking funny. And, uh, you know, that's the way it is, I suppose. Well, I think I think this approach we took today of just covering the bits and sort of talking about the ones we liked and the ones we didn't think were, I think, I think that's a good way to approach these. And maybe for the other comedies, maybe we should consider uh, going that way. Talking about, well, the comedies uh, that we're going to talk about in the future, if, if some are on the docket that we're talking about, aren't necessarily bit-based like this. I mean, this is sketch comedy. So the Night of it, the Roxbury is bit-based, and we're doing that for sure. Oh, fuck, man. I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to drop the mic right now, walk <laughs> off the stage. Uh, so I guess these are a little bit different, and uh, they can be evaluated sort of at a bit level mm-hmm. where maybe some of these more plot-driven comedies that we might be reviewing mm. are uh, not so much, you know? So, so, so. i got to find comedies with less and less plot in them. Mm. Uh, Tim and Eric, billion-dollar movie. Yeah, I'm guessing there's not a shred of plot in that fucking uh, thing. That is going to be our ultimate movie. I'm still trying to figure out oh, what the man. penultimate will be, though. Penultimate? <clears throat> I don't have anything for you. It's okay. I'm still working on my list. Ishtar. Ishtar with no. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, and, that's not broad uh, enough. Yeah, it's not it's not funny enough. That might be the big problem. That <laughs> There's one. that too. Yeah, so, yeah. For some reason, uh my uncle back when he was in the military and I was like 13, he was like in his early 20s. Uh visited us one summer and him and a buddy, uh, he had a buddy with him and they were cracking Ishtar lines to one another. Like it was the funniest fucking movie in the world. I mean, they just thought it was the funniest fucking movie. I've maybe, never seen it. Maybe it is. I've seen bits of it. It seemed decent. I've never seen it, but it's 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 lampooned as one of the uh, uh, what do you call it? Biggest block, not blockbuster, but failure, film failures of all time. Like it's just uh, you know one of these big budget turds. And uh, I've well, never the seen it. Story may so have got its own legs, you know. How these stories happen, but. I mean, it was—it's a comedy, I believe. Oh yeah, at least, and mm-hmm. and it's—I don't—it's a Cold think War it, comedy, I believe. Yeah, like spies like us, but not as funny or something. It's, it has, I think it has some some serious overtones. Anyway, overtones. I I don't think I can get it together to watch it because mm-hmm. it's just my time's too valuable at this yeah. point to uh, fuck off watching Ishtar for probably two and a half hours too long. So, <laughs> well, hey, why don't we go? Uh, take a look at uh, a review and okay. uh, see what direction it takes us. Vincent Camby reviews Monty Python and the Holy Grail on April 28th of 1975 for the New York Times. It, uh, it's, you know, it's good to see Camby. I always enjoy his writing, and I think this review is particularly well written he starts off saying a foolish consistency consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds and of some movie critics constancy constancy uh, well is the hobgoblin of little minds and of some movie critics who may or may not have little minds when writing about the films of comedians i think constancy as in the cons- con- the consistency con- of the consistency comedy. of 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 the the bits mm-hmm. throughout the film because he mm-hmm. goes into the next paragraph where he talks about kind of some bits being better than others and and uh, s- specifically W C Fields having sort of a, a cons- I guess consistency or a constancy issue mm-hmm. with uh, some of his his films and and how it's as if the critics only remember the good bits 
You know, no, I, I think I think what he I think what he's saying here, uh, be, be beyond my misreading, is that it's a poor critic who points out that uh, the movie is pretty good except for a few bits, and oh, not realizing right. that. Um, as with Woody Allen movie or a Mel Brooks movie, you can't, as I quote here, can be saying, you can't have a high spot unless you have a low one from which to survey it. So he's saying this sort of ebb and flow of the, of the height of the comedy in any film that's a comedy is an inherent part of it and shouldn't be criticized in and of itself. And so I got he, that almost exactly opposite. <laughs> I think what he's saying here is that it's, a, it's a, the small mind who points out that. Well, except for where it drags the movie down and makes it less enjoyable. I mean, oh, I you, think you, know I think you I mean? have to be careful about it. Uh, and I think he's what he's saying is for this movie, you have to have the occasional ebb of the comedy to make the higher points funnier, the rest. And uh, that's the case for this movie and for some of the other better comedies. Um, I suppose. I, although I'm of the opinion you can have a side splitter for an hour and a half. I'm of that opinion, mm-hmm. but anyway. Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, in like a, a straight, like, stand-up comedy routine, you have rests, but they're very brief. They're usually the setup to another punchline. You don't really have uh, a five-minute where the guy's talking about the death of, death of his mother and not making any jokes, unless you're some particular comedian. Well, and I hate to bring up a, a poor analogy, but for me, when I f- watched The Big Lebowski the first time in the theater, uh-huh. I was basically busting sides the whole time. I mean, you know, but that, but it's not a, it's not a gag bit movie. But anyway, hmm. that's why it's a porn analogy. Yeah, but I think it can I think be done. I think it's something to be kept be kept in your mind though when you're when we're reviewing comedies. To I, I think realize right. the the ebb may be an important aspect, but it probably gets away from people more than it than it's controlled precisely by the comedian. Well, um, and I think Monty Python. Sorry to kind of slip the review, but Monty Python has a beautiful ability for or a beautiful knack for the absurd mm-hmm. and in those ebb moments i think that they are able to sort of inject the absurd mm-hmm. in sort of lieu of of a punchline that lets it flow on tickle you so in some other way other than yeah I th- yeah. I, yeah that's that's kind of what i like mm-hmm. about him mm-hmm. continue yeah, I, I can see what you're saying well he says um that uh Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Grail is what's known on Broadway as a book show. I'm not familiar with the term book show. Are you familiar with that term? I'm not gay, so no. <laughs> well, I looked it up, and a book musicals are a type of musical where the all the instead of just being a series of songs, they tie all the songs together into an overarching plot, which I guess is what I would just consider a musical. I would call well, that, that an opera more than anything. Oh, well, maybe so. I mean, operatics are like that too, but I guess yeah. maybe some musicals were just numbers one after another and didn't oh. have this overarching storyline. Sounds hideous. So, well, Vincent Camby is a entertainment reporter in yeah. New York. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think he probably knows one, one or two things about gay, I mean, uh, Broadway. <laughs> yeah, um, so. He says uh, the story has an approximate beginning, middle and end, and... Perhaps I should say that it stops after a while, which is sort of true from the movie. It does just sort of stop. Yeah, it just um, kind of. Uh, throughout, it manages to send up the legend of uh, uh, King Arthur, courtly love, fidelity, bravery, costume movies, movie violence, and ornithology, which I thought was pretty funny that he wrote right. that in there. Um, he says that Grant Chapman plays Arthur with an earnest optimism, which I thought was nice. Uh, he says the gags are nonstop, even though we just talked about ebbs and flows, occasionally inspired. And he said he particularly liked the sequence in which the knights, to gain access to an enemy castle, come up with the idea of building a Trojan rabbit. Good idea. I didn't think that was the funniest bit. Rabbits, I thought it was uh, funny for whatever that they reason, forgot, have they forgot, a, to, uh, oh, they forgot to put themselves inside the Trojan rabbit, which I thought that yeah, was no, funny. That's pretty funny. I don't know why rabbits are having a theme in this uh this movie, I mean, you know, the, the killer rabbit, and mm. the Trojan rabbit, and the, I don't know. Uh, and then he, he ends the review with actually probably a bit of inspired insight that I'm not familiar with him. He talks with he talks about a uh, a telling of the the uh, the myth of the Knights of the Round Table called Lancelot of the Lake by a French director called Robert Bresson that came out a year before this. And he says, I'm sure you may have seen this. I don't know. I have not. He says that. 
this movie may in fact be largely a send up of that movie, which takes itself very really? seriously. Though he says it may just be happenstance, but he, he wonders. Um, the comparisons seem rather obvious to him. They may just be obvious to any uh, King Arthur, but you know, tail, but you know, I really didn't find this. We, we, um, we watched, we've reviewed one King Arthur film, Excalibur, yeah, we right? Yeah, yeah. And right. I didn't find, I didn't find myself reminded of that movie at all while I was watching this one. Other than the characters and the names and the Holy Grail bit, yeah. Yeah, but I just wasn't not... thinking of the movie. It didn't prop into my mind. Uh, so uh, it's... It did mind just for mm. the fact that I know that we reviewed another King Arthur movie. Mm. Interesting. So, was... so I wonder, you know, if we ever see that, it might be an interesting uh, thing to watch out for. Well, <clears throat> Borman had the uh, hindsight to know what the uh, Pythons were, were uh, goofing on. To uh, you know, not make it a uh, parody of itself. Yeah, they had the damp trawl up in that one, though. They did, but I don't think you can avoid it in a King Arthur legend. You got to have the, uh, the 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 watery tart. In the watery film. tart. That's right. Yeah, to make it. Uh, yeah. So I do uh, love that it, line. That does crack me up. Watery tart. I like you know. Uh, yeah, that whole bit we didn't talk about at the beginning, but I or I guess we did talk mm-hmm. about it. But uh, yeah, the um, it's a long I, bit too. It's I mean it's three or so or four minutes of really really strong dialogue that, that whole exchange well the, the the part before that where they talk about their actual like political system mm-hmm. and how dare king arthur you know uh, inflict his on them and he ta- and they talk about uh anarchy anarcho communism mm-hmm. and, and they're like they funny. take tours being the executive and they're by right meetings i thought that was basically like it's a, a kibbutz mm-hmm. basically you yeah know, why 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 couldn't peasants live like a you know have kibbutzes back then? Why did a fucking king have to come along and steal all their shit all the time? Mm. So, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting little 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 prologue to that scene. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was really I thought the whole bit was, but I had to take one part of it, so I took that. One. I know, yeah. So uh, I think that that pretty much wraps it up. I think that's about it. There's not a lot of you know overarching theme and message to be relayed here mm-hmm. uh other than uh it's a tight python comedy probably their tightest uh, i've never seen I, the I, life of brian i have and I, it was banned in ireland for a period of time which i think is hilarious yeah, the Irish because of it's weird. So they did yeah, just legalize gay marriage which is not that weird i didn't quite uh, next up abortion that jesus christ they like no abortions but go ahead with the whole you know well, i think that sodomy bit i, I it's it's bizarre that I think I think that you gay marriage has less valued arguments against it than abortion. You know, you, I think you're right. Abortion, yeah, I think, uh, is a more a more nuanced and controversial issue by far than well, gay marriage. Yeah, I, I think you can uh, you can definitely uh, flip flop. It's easy to flip flop from certain perspectives and and. You know, you can look at things statistically, but yeah, you get anecdotally with personal stories, and then your whole idea changes about it. But about which gay one? marriage? Uh, I'd say abortion, the abortion debate. But mm. you're, you're right, gay marriage. There isn't. There isn't really. Let's talk about it, man. Let's get down to the bottom of this abortion business. Well, uh, no, Jesus, I think you're going to talk about gay marriage. I could do that, but no, I can't. I can't do the abortion debate. I give up. I give up on that one. I, I wave the white flag. So. Well, how did we get into that? We're talking about Python. Or we're oh, we're talking about, talking, about, uh, Ireland. talking about Ireland. Banning uh, Life of Brian. Right. So anyway, Life of Brian was banned in uh, Ireland. It's it's irreverent towards the, I guess, the, the, the Jesus myth. And, what? Uh, the myth. Sorry, the Jesus story. Uh, the yeah, Je- a little bit. I, I just like to call it a myth from now on. I think it's a more appropriate term. There's some pretty fucking solid bits in Life of Brian, though. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a good film. Uh, meaning Life is, is pretty funny. Uh, and then past that, there's some misfires like the Jabberwocky. I didn't think it was funny. Never seen uh, even that. as a kid watching it. Uh, I don't remember if there's any other Python films. It's got to be mm, one or two. Not straight up Python films, no. Yeah, there's Terry Gilliam, which is uh, mm-hmm. he was director in this, right? Co-director. Yeah, the with, the uh, two Terrys directed it. Yeah, yeah. So you can definitely see how um, that ball got rolling with with his films in mm-hmm. this. You know, definitely style wise, I would say that much. But uh you know, yeah. kind of, yeah, he's kind of a lot of 
yeah, frenetic, crazy absurdity going mm-hmm. on in, in, in the films. And, and the fact that he did a lot of the art, I think, comes through in uh, both, uh, you well, know, you both can't these mis- Python films. You can't films. mistake his very rudimentary animation I know, style. I know. I love that shit. They I should love really, that shit as a kid. They should bring that back. I mean, I guess maybe South Park does a little bit. I mean, as a kid, I used to watch Python just for the Terry Gilliam cartoons. Because uh, for starters, you get like some like 1920s boob action every now and then. And, you know, but there was always the, uh, they were really consistent while the actual bits were hit or miss as most serial television comedy shows are. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, and the problem was watching it as a kid. You miss just a ton of the shit. Well, there's, you, they you also own. have political humor on top of it. There's no way you could even get today. No, and I, no, you'd have to be current with uh, 1970s <laughs> uh, British politics, which yeah. I haven't a fucking clue about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I probably don't have that much of a clue about 80s politics in the UK or 90s or even currently. You, you so, could get a couple of Thatcher jokes. Get a couple. Well, she was an easy target. Yeah, you know, it was easy to poke fun at the Iron Lady. So. Anyway, but uh, yeah, um, I think this is uh, it's definitely their best showing. Well, we'll have to see how it compares to the, the upcoming comedies, uh, though. I hear you're getting on board on this comedy bit. Next I am. Week. I, I'm, I can't say I'll, I'll stay with it, but uh, I did want to offer one into the hat. And uh, next week, our film is going to be I don't know who directed it. I don't know what year, but it's going to be uh, Real Genius, the 80s film starring Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. And you know what I was thinking about this movie? And I kind of want you to I know you're probably not a fan of the Big Bang Theory, but I kind of want you to. Maybe put that in perspective. I and think, do not watch the Big Bang Theory. Well, you know, I, I watch Real Genius, and 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 having been, I guess, a physics student working mm-hmm. in similar labs in grad school, uh, maybe of not the caliber that's depicted in this in in the film. But the the thing that I guess bugs me about the Big Bang Theory is the um, and why I like Real Genius is that the science students in 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 the film aren't so what's the right word geeky or nerdy like they're not into star trek and comic books like everything's sort of written in the big bang theory like all if you're smart and you're in science you got to be into total fanboy geeky nerdy well, see, comic boy yeah, comic book sci-fi that's such shit. superficial bullshit in the real genius these guys are Curious weirdos. Yeah, curious weirdos. That's a, they that's like a to see what they can do with the world. And that's right. always the best scientists are people like that. Like the guy who's trying to rig the the uh, prize pool, right? That's yeah. a funny storyline. Yeah. Um, that's, how, that's how the best scientists really are. Those are the guys they, working over at uh, whatever that place that launches those space things is. Oh, uh, SpaceX? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and those are the people I've met are mm-hmm. curious weirdos. They're real smart people, oh, and yeah. they're eccentric beyond needing to be just sort of your your stereotypical high school outcast that, that everybody likes to make fun. No, of. No, no. See, yeah. yeah, the thing the thing with the Big Bang Theory, they're just geeks that happen to be scientists. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Yeah, right. And and but that's I don't know. I, I think it's a disservice to uh, um, folks that are that are in the sciences. That, so I'm, that I'm sorry, show. do you like the Big Bang Theory? Because a couple times I've watched it, it seems like total crap. I, I used to like it, hmm. and then I've since soured on it. Well, because, maybe it was uh, better early on. I think it was. Yeah. And then and then, I, then when you sour on something, you find a lot more reasons to hate it. And hmm. so I think that's kind of what's happened to me. But uh, anyway. Uh, well, Real so, Genius is directed by Martha Coolidge, and she has a rather weak track record. So uh, sort of interesting. I could see that. Really, the movie is is held up by Val Kilmer, who mm-hmm. I think is a comic genius. Oh yes, but for what for whatever the fucking reason, stop doing comedy like almost after this movie. Uh, well, I, you, know, you know, bring this up, and I might. This is this is something that was really on the periphery of my broad comedy list, but maybe seeing Val Kilmer here will make me want top to secret. do not top secret uh, MacGruber the movie. What? He is very, very good in that movie. Are you serious? Yes. Actually, MacGruber, the, MacGruber, in fact, is a very good comedy movie. That's a Will Forte, right? Mm-hmm. He's in that, huh? Yeah, he plays the he plays the villain 
in the movie. Is he all like uh, he's so, he's carp so, faced out? Is he yeah, yeah, jolly? Yeah, he's, he's all jolly. Yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. Uh, well, maybe. I hmm. haven't seen it, but I, I, I always, watching that film, I, I just, I weep for uh, Val Kilmer's comedy career because I think he's he was a truly funny fucking dude. Actually, there was a little bit of him in, in kind of a... Um, what I would call sort of a James Franco bomb. It wasn't that good called Palo Alto, hmm. which uh, I think was trying to be a, a little bit more uh, bohemian than it actually turned out to be that film. But uh, hmm. he was in it as sort of this, this stoner stepdad of one of the main characters. And uh, it was a bit, it was a little bit funny in that Val Kimmer kind of way. And I just, I just don't know why I didn't go further with it. Cause he, he's a funny dude. So anyway, but uh, I think this was the 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 sort of the apex of his his comedic performance and real genius. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. It's been quite a while for me. All right. Uh, so until next week. If Lee Stars was committed. It wasn't just a string of pussy jokes.